That was wonderful worship. I don't, you know what? Before we were seated, uh, Psalms 34 said, Oh, bless the Lord with me. Let us exalt the name of the Lord together. Let us exalt his name together. Uh, you know what? Let's do. It's so nice to be together, and we have such an interesting um, assembly. It'll never be assembled quite like this again. And everybody here is so noticed by God, drawn by God for purpose. Uh, let's just celebrate God together. Let's boast in the Lord. Let's boast in our great God. There is no greater God than our God. <laughs> no name higher than the name of Jesus. No one wiser, no one stronger, no one kinder, no one more merciful, no one holy is he. Oh, we exalt the name of our God. Oh, Lord, and we exalt your name together. In the congregation of the righteous, we all lift up our voices. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the name of our God. Oh, we love you. We worship you. We honor you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Uh, we're, before we're seated, you know, the pastor broke into a military song, and it reminded me that I gave a, a word today uh, of promise. I got a, a, a Facebook text from a soldier in Afghanistan. He'd been a um, Rama student years ago when I was there and had been a part of he, uh, prayer school come there quite often every day and uh anyway he's an engineer in the in afghanistan and there was a little bit of fear in his email today he said he was praying that he makes it home safe and uh he didn't know how to get a hold of anybody and he just happened to find uh, uh on our website a way to contact and so uh, we sent back a message right away that we would pray not only for him but for our troops tonight I'm honored to pray for our troops tonight. Is there anyone who served in the military? Is there anyone who served? Could you come? Could you gentlemen come? And if there's women here who have served also, if you guys could just come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What an honor. What an honor it is to pray for these people. Hallelujah. <clears throat> A year ago, I was—I uh, I had a real honor to be in um, David Ellis's church, also for a prayer time, and we prayed for the troops then. In a promise to David Horton's wife, uh, Cherie, her request as her son was being brought home right at that time, right then, I said, "Cherie, what can I do? What can I pray? How can I pray for you?" She said, "Don't pray for me. Pray for the guys that are still over there." She said, "They need help." I said, Cherie, we'll pray. And, and we did. We did. And, and God went to bat for those guys. There were some heads that rolled in wherever it was because there was some sloppy, um, there was some sloppy stuff going on with the military that was letting some holes in. And, uh, they, they, that got fixed. Praise the name of the Lord. But 
you know, it makes a difference when we pray. And, and I, I just never forget that read those regiments of angels that were standing at attention in heaven, waiting for the church to pray because the angels would correspond to our prayers tonight. When we pray, angels are on assignment in Afghanistan. Hallelujah. Oh, amen. Bless the name of the Lord. Bless the name of the Lord. Uh, huh? Yes, could you? Could you please pray? Lead us in prayer. I, we would be so honored. Couple of Marines. Oh! Come here. Yeah, you Army guys stay back. Come here. No, I'm just kidding. There's a brotherhood in the service. That's right. That's right. That's right. So, somebody has to take over after we clean it up, you know, and make the way. That's true. Hallelujah. This is, uh, you know, we're laughing, and uh, but this is very serious, and it's it's no joking matter. I know at our church we've had several young men that have gone uh, both to Iraq and Afghanistan, and because we have prayed earnestly, uh, they've all come home safely, and the people that they've been serving with. Yeah. The people that were with him were going to be safe. They're all covered. That's right. Yes. They're all covered by that grace. Yes. Uh, this is vital. And um, I, I don't know if a lot of words is what is necessary. I think that, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get us in there, but then we need to be praying in the spirit. And, um, you know, the strongholds that um, fear is a stronghold. Uh, probably the greatest stronghold that any man in the military faces. You know, uh, it's been said, I'm sure everybody's heard this, that uh, when you serve, certainly you serve, you know, your country. But when it comes down to battle, you're fighting for the man standing next to you or the woman with you, you know, uh, on board ship or, you know, behind you. It takes so many people to support us. And uh, that's, that's the love of camaraderie that really gives the strength to any military in any country. So um, let's first pray for the love. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, it is purposeful that we're assembled here tonight to pray for all nations and all men and all women who find themselves defending their land and defending their hopes and their dreams. And we, we lift up to you the United States of America and our allies, Father God, that the, the love that you have established this nation on by Holy Spirit is the love that goes into battle, not to torture, not to hurt, but a love that brings about a hope which brings about glory into this earth. Lord, we pray for that love one for another and the love that we have here for those who are serving. We surround them now with that love and we call upon that love and your grace, Father, to cover them. 
cover them in their foxholes, cover them in their tents, cover them in their vehicles, cover them in their ships, cover them in the air, Lord God. We thank you that your grace is there because your love is there. And we thank you, Lord God, for the promise, the promise of your life in us, the victory of Jesus Christ in us. We take the victory with us wherever we are. We take the victory over fear. We take the victory over every assault of the enemy. And we thank you, Lord God, that we're strong in you and in the power of your might. We are knitted together. We are upbraided, one with you, when we seek you and the victory that is you. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord God, that the true victory is that Jesus Christ is exalted in Afghanistan, exalted in Iraq and throughout the Middle East and in, and in the entire earth because this nation truly is right and good before you. And our defenders and our ambassadors and our statesmen exist because of you and their message is the love of God in Christ Jesus and we thank you Lord we thank you Lord hallelujah 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 praise the name of the Lord oh let's just thank God hallelujah oh praise the name of the Lord praise the name of the Lord for wisdom Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's something else we'll pray later on in the night that I do believe has to do with the military. It's interesting of the guys and lady that are up here. We have, we have all the branches. We have Air Force. We have uh, the Army, the Air Force, the Navy, the Marines, and the Coast Guard. Isn't that neat? Oh, I love that. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, bless the Lord. Praise God. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Angels are on assignment. They've been dispatched. Amen. And that young man that wrote me today has a, an awareness of the presence of the Lord that's with him. Amen. You, you can be seated. You know, I was... Um, I made mention of Japan last night. If you weren't here, you know, we were just talking about the difference between a kingdom victory, which is souls, and just settling only for national victory. And uh, we don't want to settle for national victory as children of, of the living God. We're so thankful for our nation and thankful for, for everything uh, on a national level. But, but our agenda is far higher than a national agenda. And it is the same as God's in this, that it, a country is not truly free unless they're out of the kingdom of darkness. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. I have worshipped with people, uh, you know, in uh, this is before communism was dismantled, you know. And uh, I, I worship God in this room that we had to sneak to. It was wonderful. Uh, the, just jam-packed full of people. People came from seven time zones away. Uh, 
It took him four days on train to get there and be in, in this jam-packed room with people from way out in Siberia. And, uh, but the freedom that was in that room was, um, it was absolutely immeasurable. Freedom because even though they were in a controlled country, they were out of the kingdom of darkness. You can be in a free country and absolutely be bound. How many of you were bound in a free country? Are you glad you're set free? So people are not truly free unless they're out of that kingdom of darkness. And that is our agenda. That is our assignment as children of the living God. And uh, so we mentioned Japan and, and uh, also uh, I'll... Another one on that side of the fence, on the side of a national victory, would have been uh, also Europe. You know, tremendous national victory and ally victory was accomplished when, you know, at the end of World War I, World War II. Tremendous uh, ally victory. But the, the fallout is, uh, and I don't know if Tom is here, but he could attest to this, Europe has been one of the most spiritually deprived places it's weird it's strange and so while there can be national victory of winning a war that is not the end of our assignment that might be when the troops go back home but that is not when we go back home so, you know, I really appreciate, I really heard that part of your prayer uh, as well. Because you were praying for the people of Afghanistan. And, and you were just going to take just a couple minutes here to just ride on that horse just a little bit. Can we do that? It would be awful for us to just, you know, let's just get out of there and, and let them be destroyed. But I'm telling you, <laughs> Jesus died for those people. <laughs> and they are our assignment. And you cannot spread the gospel to someone you hate. Cannot. Cannot. And you part company with Jesus Christ and God the Father when you hate. Cannot. So we love them. We love the people. Do we like their darkness? No. Do we like the way that they've operated? No. But do we love them? Yes, and Jesus died for them. So God is not willing that any of them should perish, but all of them would come to repentance. Can we just pray for that area? Let's just lift up that area. Um, uh, let's see here. Let's see here. Somebody else from, uh, from this area. I'd like somebody else to help. I don't know people. Yeah. Could we, could we get you to come pray for the... For the for people to be born again, yeah. is that good? Yeah, absolutely. Hallelujah. Yeah, come, come, come. Just reach your hands in agreement to Him. Pray for labors to be sent. Well, Father, we just lift up those people, Lord God, in those places who have been held down by the enemy. And Lord God, as you have sent us over as ambassadors to reconcile, to bring the gospel, true hope to their lives. Father, let their eyes be opened 
and the darkness shed away. Let it be that as a curtain spread open and the light shine through that their lives, Lord God, shall be lifted up unto you. And as Father God, we lift them up in prayer to you. Let them meet your son Jesus now. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for lives being changed, snatched out of the kingdom of darkness and translated into the kingdom of his dear son, the kingdom of light. Father, we pray right now in all the regions of the world, not just Afghanistan, but all the dark regions of the world. Let the light be shining now, Lord God. Let it shine upon them in such a way that it will cause them to awake and arise and that they may come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior and that, Lord God, that they'll be brought out of the brink of disaster. They'll be snatched from the bowels of death and hell. And that, Lord God, that life, Lord God, as you said in your word, that the enemy cometh but not to steal, kill, and to destroy, but Jesus, our Lord and Savior, has come to bring life, and life as God has it, and life abundantly, life overflowing. Hallelujah. So, Father, we pray that that life, that life that he has brought into the world as a flood would just flow into those areas. Oh, yeah. My, my, my. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And Father God, even now as those who are in the military, Lord God, those who know your name, let them be a lead unto the others. And let them, Lord God, share with these people, Lord God, the, the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, I see that now in Jesus' name. <laughs> the love of God being shed abroad into that life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I can see it too. Hallelujah. That light, hallelujah. Let's just thank the Lord for that. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. The light, the light. Hallelujah. Light shining in a dark place. Praise God. There's something else that we're going to pray at before we, uh, before we look into the word and get God's assignment. Uh, some of these assignments are just to equip us, not just to pray tonight, but they are... Their equipment to work with God and continue to work with him. Uh, but, and we, so we're going to, we, there's something that I believe in my heart that he wants us to have and to work with. Uh, but before we do, there's one other place that we want to pray for tonight as well. And that is with Israel. And, uh, and there, that's a real active place that in the world. And, um, and there's some things going on right now, you know, a lot of military action happening right now. And uh, so, Joe, could you just come and lead us in prayer? Hallelujah. Yeah. Could you please? Sure. Lord, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you for, for giving your son Jesus. 
And Lord, we thank you for this massive inheritance that we have as children of God in the earth in the last days. And Father, we partake of the authority that we have as Christians in America. And tonight, Father, we lift up Benjamin Netanyahu. We lift up Ehud Barak. We thank you for the strength of the cabinet of the nation of Israel. And Father, that which you have for this land in this hour, we thank you for divine protection for this land. Father, we thank you for your plan being wrought suddenly. We thank you for your plan being wrought even this day as we pray. We thank you for great change, great change in the Middle East, great change in the land this day, Father. We thank you for what you have ordained for the last days, that the name of the Son of God would be broadcast all over the earth, that all of the earth would hear of the goodness of, of your name, Jesus. So, so we as believers in America, we strengthen Israel tonight. We say the Christians that are in Israel are bold to pray tonight. We pray for them in Israel. And Father, we thank you for our country strengthening Israel even right now, Father. For that which you'd have wrought right before the coming of the Lord. We thank you, Sinanea Tapafiatana Kansana. We thank you for the right track, the right place at the right time for the nation of Israel. We Semania Bravarene Keprea Selevin Jizona. We as Christians shall pray. We will lift up our voice, lift up our voice in the last days. And we'll and we'll stand our guard for the land of Israel. We'll pray for Jerusalem, Father. We'll pray for those leaders just as we've prayed for our leaders. And Father, just as you have ordained great change, great change in in this day, we thank you that you'll get the glory and the honor and the praise for everything that is wrought there, Father. And Father, for the alignment of nations, even this hour, we thank you that your will will be wrought. And we give you glory for it. We give you honor and we give you praise. Great strength for the nation of Israel. Great peace for the nation of Israel. Great grace on the nation of Israel. We thank you for the seed they have sown, Father, for we thank you for this season of reaping for them right now. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. One more time. Let's just thank God. Heaven is moving with us right now. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, we're so thankful. We're so grateful. We're so thankful for your mercy. We're so thankful for your love. Oh, God of and your tender mercies are over all your works. Hallelujah. He's got a lot going. Hallelujah. And we trust, we trust your lordship. We trust your wisdom, your superior wisdom. Praise the name of the Lord. In, uh, in 1 Samuel, we see something here. In the 12th chapter, God desired uh, to dwell among us. Actually, he, dwell, he desired to do even more than that. He actually desired to dwell within us. But it took a whole process and some thousands of years to actually arrive to his destination, which was the heart of men. And... Uh, uh, but before he could dwell in the heart of men, he dwelt with men, and he he, he had a nation. Uh, he start that started, of course, you know, with one man, and then that man a son, and that son that son had a son, and then that son had twelve sons, and then they had, you know, they had families, and and uh, it developed into a, a significant nation, and where they developed into that definable nation 
wasn't actually in their homeland, wasn't in Canaan, where they developed into a define. They moved from family to nation was in Egypt. It's interesting. You wouldn't think that that would be the climate or the condition or the elements that would be the most conducive for that part of the plan of God to evolve and strengthen. You would think that it would be, you know, for something to multiply and as it did and become prolific, it should be in the best environment. But actually the greenhouse that God chose for them to become prolific and become uh, from a family into a definable nation was actually in Egypt. And, um, and actually um, it, it intensified and became even greater. It went like into overdrive when they got into slavery. And so, uh, wow, pretty interesting, isn't it? A little different than the way that we would think, but uh, the the Israelites, very precious to God, very precious to the to the plan of God. And then uh, God wanted through them uh, to bring about one seed, the seed of our Redeemer. It's like he he um, he incubated. And he protected that one seed in a whole nation. And you see the reason, you know, why uh, in the Old Testament there was so, so, seems so slaughtering and so mean. Did you ever have anybody talk to you about if God is so nice, why were, why did he command all these wars in the Old Testament? And, and, you know, sometimes he ordered the, the annihilation of whole groups of people. Why? Why? My daughters are in a Christian school, and those are the huge questions that the, you know, that, and they come up with, you never know with what God is going to do because it, it, look what he did in the Old Testament, and, you know, you never know what he's going to do, and that's where they stop it. They, they end their doctrine there. You never know. Aren't you glad that through Jesus we know what God is going to do? But actually, uh, uh, it was actually the mercy of God that kept protecting that seed. Because there was, there was, um, there was a plan of the enemy to take out that seed before it could stomp on his head. And so the nations around them very vile and wicked and most of them uh, sexually very very perverse uh, they would they were starting to try to infiltrate or what they would do there was the danger of them infiltrating the nation of Israel and in protection of the seed there were those strong wars aren't you thankful for the mercy of God where it was very deliberate and very strong at that time God had again all men in his heart, all people in his heart. It wasn't about just a nation of Israel. He ha he had incubated within that nation the seed of the Redeemer of mankind, of every human that would ever walk on the faith or be born into this earth. The blood of Jesus would purchase an eternal redemption for every one of them that would receive it. 
Praise God for the plan of God. And so there is, there's reason for things. And, uh, but anyway, God wanted to be, God wanted to be the leader of these people. He wanted to be the head of these people. He wanted to, he wanted these people to trust him and, and look to him as their national head. But they wanted to have uh, more identity with the nations around them and be more like the nations around. So they asked for a king and it broke his heart, broke God's heart because he thought he was. He wanted to be the king. And in this chapter, you know, we won't go into it, but Samuel, Samuel's heart was broken. He was embarrassed. He was, he didn't even want to let God know what they had said. All, you know, God did know, but he was just felt so horrible to let, you know, to say they, they don't want you. They want a man. And uh, so anyway, I'm just saying this. There is an, there is a nation of people. It's made up of every nation and every tribe and every kindred and every tongue of people. And it's called the Ecclesia, the church. We're a nation under God and the head of our nation, non-contestable head of our, our nation is the Lord Jesus Christ. He has been, he will be, and forever will be the head of this kingdom. This kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, one that will never come to an end. So, you know, we're going to look at this. Last night we looked a little bit at Daniel. Has been, there's so much in Daniel that we could look at. But at what, what we just started seeing last night was that he, he, you know, about 15 years old, was exiled with Jehoiakim, this evil king. Uh, about 15, 16 years old, he was exiled to, to Babylon. And there he lived out the remainder of his life. He never did return. Even when, even when the Israelites did come back, uh, when the Jews did come back, he did not come back with them. He lived into his 90, 90 plus, they don't know exactly, uh, but he lived to be a very old man. And in that time, he served in the Babylonian government as an advisor uh, in government, but he served there and worked there. And during his lifetime were eight rulers. And the demise of one whole empire and the rise of another. So we only see four of those leaders, four of the eight leaders of, uh, of Daniel uh, uh, in Babylon and in uh, what turned into Med um, Media and Persia. If you'll just turn in your Bible to Daniel, you know, um, the stories of the Old Testament I love. And uh, the Lord, as I said last night, has been quickening to start using the stories again like seed seed for the miraculous you see the old testament jam-packed full of signs and wonders the gift of faith the gift of the working of miracles other gifts as well too 
uh, all of the gifts except for tongues and interpretation of tongues. You see, the gifts of the Spirit prolifically used in the Old Testament, but uh, but there is something of these seeds that are important for us in our day. There's some things that we are to learn that were laid up for us in for our day. So uh, it's with this. I remember there was this animated, uh, these animated stories of the Bible, both new and old. I loved them all, but I'd watch them all with my daughters. And there was, you know, there were a lot of those different stories they'd animated, and they were quite well done. They weren't like little kid uh, animation. It was better animation. I can't remember who did it, but there was one of Daniel. And I still, I watched it over and over and over again. And there would be some times I didn't even know why. I'd be watching those animated things with my daughters. They're little girls and tears would just come down my face. I just, just marvel at the wisdom of God uh, that operated through this man, Daniel. And, uh, and the connection and the representation that he had in God. So a man, you think about it, a, a man... Uh, just, just 15, 16 years old with three other guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they went to a place where nobody believed as they did. And yet, you know, from, you know, from starting in Daniel, the first chapter, they didn't even want to eat the same food as the others around them. They had this standard that was in them that was not just there because their parents were there. It was there because something had imprinted in their heart and in their soul uh, something of the living God. And there was honor to him even in an ungodly place. Some people can be honorable to God in church when the music starts. But these guys, when they were exiled to Babylon, they, uh, Daniel never came back. And I don't know that there's record that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego ever did either. But there they lived, and in the third chapter of Daniel, when all of everyone around them bowed to the music that was being played, um, uh, the whole nation bowed. There were three guys that stood up. And they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. Now, I want you to see, if you'll just look at Daniel, the third chapter, I want you to see the result of, of what happened when they stood. There was, there was already a level of honor that was given to these guys because of their, uh, they ended up being superiorly smart. And, uh, but I want you to notice here in verse 29, that Nebuchadnezzar, the verse before, he said, there is no other God that can de deliver like this God. Verse 29 says, therefore, I make a decree. And now this guy is a heathen king. This guy is not a Jewish king. This guy has no connection to God. He is a king, and he is making a decree that uh, that... Any people, nation, and language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Can you imagine carrying the name of our God with that kind of honor that other people defend, not just you, but your God? 
on account of you. He said, anybody that speaks amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut up into pieces. Their houses shall be made a dunghill, for there is no other God that can deliver in this way. Verse 30, then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Where? In the province of Babylon. And so they rose in influence in not in, not in Israel, not in Judah, not among God's people, but they rose in influence, we could say, in the world. Very interesting, isn't it? We see something similar in the sixth chapter when Daniel was taken out of the den of lions. Because when he wouldn't quit praying or talking uh, to God, even though there was a decree that the Belshazzar, who was the king at that time, uh, the son of Nebuchadnezzar, when he, when he made a decree, he was tricked into making a decree because they were jealous. Other people were jealous of Daniel. Daniel already had had a, a place of tremendous authority. Uh, over all, Babylon was an empire, a huge empire. And, uh, and there, were, uh, there were three presidents over all the provinces. And uh, then there were be like, maybe like congressmen or senators underneath these three presidents. Uh, there were 120 of those. But Daniel was the greatest of the three presidents. And it made, it made his co-workers jealous. And so they, they staged this, uh, this thing, you know, to get him into the den of lions. And he did. He was thrown into the den of lions. But the king felt so bad about it. He, when he was putting him in, he said, oh, may your God deliver you. And then he couldn't sleep that night and he couldn't eat. And he just paced the floor. This heathen king. Remember, he's not a Jew. But he's so, Daniel is so dear to him that he's wanting to defend his life. And so he's pacing the floor all night long. In the morning, he gets, he goes to the den of lions and he gets him out. He finds that he's still alive. You see here, um, he said the king commanded, uh, let's see, oh, verse 20. This is just dear. He says, when he came to the den and to Daniel, he cried out in a voice of anguish. The king said to Daniel, oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, is your God whom you serve continually. That was the key. He served him continually in a, in a heathen land. Not in the church. He, see, he served him in a heathen land continually. Is he able to deliver you from the lions? In verse 21, Daniel said to the king, King, live forever. So the answer was yes. My God has sent his angel and shut the, mouth, the, shut the lion's mouth so they've not hurt me because I was found innocent and blameless before him and also before you, O king. I've done no harm or wrong. You can trust me, in other words. I've ne I would never do you wrong. Isn't that nice to have a man of God who can be trusted in the world that would never do harm or wrong continually? And so it says this. It says the king commanded and those men. Uh, oh, the king was exceedingly glad. Verse 23. And commanded that Daniel should be taken up out of the den. 
And Daniel was taken out of the den, and no hurt of any kind was found on him because he believed in his God. And the king commanded those men who had accused Daniel to be brought and cast into the den of lions, they and their children, their wives. And they, before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions had overpowered them and broken them, their bones in pieces. So it wasn't because the lions just weren't hungry. It was because there was a miracle that kept those lions' mouths shut. And, uh, and King Darius wrote to the peoples, uh, nations, and languages that dwelt in, uh, it wasn't King Belshazzar, it was Darius, excuse me. And uh, he wrote to all of them, and he said, I make a decree that in all my royal dominion men must tremble and fear before God of Daniel. The God of Daniel. I believe that God already has and is raising up people who the living God will be known as their God. So whatever your name is, that people will say the living God or the, the God of Brenda. Amen. So then notice here, it says that, uh, that the God of, uh, the living God endureth and steadfast forever. His kingdom shall not be destroyed. His dominion is to the ends of the world. He is the savior and deliver. He works and si works signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. Now remember who is saying this. A heathen king is saying this. That's huge. Uh, he who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. Now look at verse 28. So this man Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. He prospered. In other words, God elevated and increased and uh, supported his influence because Daniel's influence was really God's influence. Now, what does this say about our God? We, we know that he is amongst us. Where two of you are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst of us. But there is this apostolic part of God, this sending part of God, where he sends people to people who are not gathered in his name, who do not know his name. And they represent his name to those people. They become they become, uh, they let him become known through them. And God is still sending sons because he still so loves the world. Praise the name of the Lord. Go back to Daniel, the second chapter. In this chapter, uh, Daniel had, uh, Nebuchadnezzar had a vision. And we won't go into it, but it's an interesting, you know, he saw this large, uh, this large, uh, being, man, a head of gold, a chest of silver, uh, a waist of bronze, loins of bronze, and legs of, of iron, and feet of a mixture of clay and iron. Very interesting. And uh, that, was, that was when he couldn't remember what the dream was, but it, it so fixated him that he, he couldn't think about any, he just had to know what that dream was and what it meant. Because it meant everything to him. I just think it's so interesting. These are some of the things I find interesting. That God had Daniel taken to the heart of a ruling empire in the world. 
And while he's there, this king has a dream that only Daniel can interpret by a spirit of, of wisdom. And it has very little except for the head to do with Nebuchadnezzar. The rest of the whole, uh, this whole creature, this being that he saw, this man that he saw, had to do with following empires. And, uh, and so Daniel explained this to this king. And we see uh, at the end of it something about this. If you'll see uh, in verse 28, there is a God in heaven who reveals secret and he'll made, make known to King Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. And so he starts revealing to this king some things that he's going to do in the latter days. We can't, we're not going to look in detail in any of these dreams or visions that, these, uh, that Nebuchadnezzar had or, uh, or that Daniel even had. But what did transpire in those years that Daniel was there is God gave him insight in God's dealings with nations. Now what we have in the epistles is God's dealings with the church. But what we have in Daniel is God's dealings with the nations. And we see that God takes one up and brings another down. And all of these nations, uh, we're in one nation, so we're very interested in, in the dealings with our nation. But our nation is one of the nations that God is dealing with. There's three groups of people on the earth, three groups that God deals with, three different platforms that he deals with. One is the church. One platform are the nations. And one platform is, is Israel. And there's something that God is working with Israel. There's something that God is working with the, with the nations. And there's something that God is working with the church. But God had this man, this prophet, not live among his own people. He had this prophet live uh, in this empire to give interpretation to God's dealings with nations. And you can see in, in just the book of Daniel, I encourage you just to read it and read it over and over that you can see that whole kingdoms, nations come and go. So the head was Nebuchadnezzar's Babylon. This was Media, Media, Persia, the, the loins and the, the belly were Greece. The legs were iron. And, and that spoke of, of uh, Rome. And then the feet were ten nations. And we're still figuring that out. But it's a mixture of old Roman and, uh, and, and the clay, something that can't hang together. Now, I want us to see something that, that God wanted Daniel to see at the end of this. If you can. In chapter 4, we're going to just look at this. And then there's something that we're going to pray about. We can't go into all of this detail. But Daniel 4 is really interesting because uh, <laughs> some years went past 
uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And Nebuchadnezzar had defeated a lot of, taken a lot of other nations, and he was, he was the biggest thing. And um, Nebuchadnezzar, it, uh, he had this dream, and it was a very odd dream. And it was about a, a, a tree that was great big, and its, its branches reached everywhere, and uh, all kinds of people and even animals were safe underneath the branches. And then uh, he sees in verse... In verse 13, I saw in my vision, in my head, on my bed, and behold, a watcher, a holy one, came down from heaven. And he cried aloud and said, cut down the tree, cut off its branches, and shake off its leaves, and scatter its fruit. Let the living creatures flee from under it, and the fowls from the branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze in the midst of the tender grass of the field. Let him be wet with the dew of heavens and let him share the lot, the, li the living creatures in the grass of the earth. Let his nature and understanding be changed from a man's and let a beast's nature and understanding be given to him and let seven times pass over him. And uh, so Daniel had to give the interpretation to the king and he didn't want to. He said, oh, king, I wish this was about somebody else, but actually it's about you. And then he gives him the reason about this. He said, you used to, if you'll, look at, if you'll look at the interpretation, this is the interpretation which came. You will be driven, in verse 25, from among men. Your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the fields. You shall be made to eat grass as do the oxen. And you will be wet with the dew of heaven seven times or years. Until, and shall pass over you until you learn and come to know and recognize the most high rules in the kingdom of man. And gives it to whomever he will. And in that it was commanded to leave the stump or the roots of the tree and your kingdom shall be sure to you after you have learned and know that the God of heaven rules. What basically happens is he got lifted up in pride that he was something. And so what happened was that he lost his mind that day. He lost his mind. He lost his mind and he was driven from among men. And uh, he, he actually, his fingernails grew until they looked like bird claws. He lived outside like an animal. They, they didn't take the kingdom away from him. That, somehow, uh, God said, your kingdom will be sure to you. I'm not going to give it to anybody else. There must have been other people helping to run it. For seven years, the king was crazy out in a field. His fingernails like bird claws. And his hair grew. Uh, I don't know if it grew out of his body or whatever. But it, he looked like a bird. He was crazy. That's wacky. And w in one day, his mind, he absolutely came lucid again. And he came back to his throne. Pretty amazing, isn't it? So, uh, but I want you to notice one of these verses, verse 32, because he's going back over the interpretation. You'll be driven from among men. Your dwelling will be with the living creatures of the field. You'll be made to eat grass like the oxen seven years. I've pictured this guy out in a field just with his face on the ground eating grass. He had been a king, the emperor of this amazing Babylon that had one of the seven wonders of the world, the hanging gardens of Babylon. He was an amazing man, and he's eating grass. 
He said, this will happen seven years shall pass over until you've learned that the Most High rules in the kingdoms of men. And look at this. And gives it to whoever he wills. Guys, it, this is one of the things that when we approach things concerning uh, the political scene of our nation, those kind of things are not to ever be thought that they're just in the hands of men. We're working with God. And we see what God can do to give the kingdom to who he needs it to go to for his purposes to go forward. Okay, keep going. In verse 34, this is so good. This is so nice. It says, at the end of days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes to heaven and my understanding and my right use came back to my mind and returned to me. I blessed the God of heaven uh, and I praised and glorified him who lives forever. Listen to this. Whose dominion is an everlasting dominion. Remember, this is a heathen king. And this one I have underlined in my Bible. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. And I've read this, I've read, I've had this underlined for years in my Bible. This particular Bible, I've had it underlined for years. It just stands out to me. Recently, when I've been reading this, this comes up on the inside of me to ask this question to God. How is your God's dominion to be shown in this generation? Because it has been shown in different aspects, in different generations. Sometimes we look back to past uh, manifestations of his dominion and, and we try to duplicate that. What we, we need to do that. Actually, the plan of God is going on. It's not going back. And so God has a way for his, the dominion of his kingdom to be manifest through his church, not all, but not only through his church. The dominion of his kingdom to be experienced in the nations of the world. And in Israel. His, the dominion of his kingdom, his kingdom is bigger than the church. The church is a part of his kingdom. The dominion of his kingdom affects the nations of the world guys things are moving around in the nations of the world i know we're in 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 uh, probably you know uh, america i think around the world is considered the superpower of the world but things are moving and shifting in the nations of the world uh, strength is being given to different nations of the world. And it's very intriguing to see uh, that strength is coming again to Russia. And, and they're, they're backing their currency with gold. And it's, it's strong. China is very strong. And in um, living in Singapore... They're, they're having the, the ones that they did have learn English. They're having now this next generation that, that didn't know English or that did, lost their, uh, their parents' language of uh, Chinese. They're teaching Chinese again. 
and making China Chinese very important because they see China being a superpower. Also, India, very rich. We think of it third world. Some of the greatest minds on the planet are in that country. Some of the greatest money is in is in uh, is in India, in China. So some of these things are shifting. While we're here and rooting for our favorite team of the NFL, <laughs> there are there are international movings and shiftings. There is an empire before we came to be the, uh, the world power. Uh, was England also was a world power. There were other world powers as well, but I'm just thinking of this one. England was greatly used as a world power by God. They were an imperialistic. We're not imperialistic. People, some people in other parts of the world think we are, but we're not imperialistic. We do get in other people's affairs. We've had people say, what is it about Americans that you just love to fight? Because we've never known anybody likes that, you know. Other nations aren't into it like that, except for maybe some of the more, more warring or maybe Muslim nations. But uh, they say, what is it? Certainly... As socialistic nations well you guys are nuts why do you want to fight and, and uh, there may be different reasons in the council rooms in the national capital but the mothers who send their sons and the fathers who send their sons love freedom and we love our freedom and we love your freedom and we want you to be free even if you don't want to be free. And we're coming over to make you free. So whether you like it or not, you're going to be free. And even if you don't want the right to vote, we want you to have the right to vote. And we'll die to give you that right. And you may throw it away tomorrow, but we want you to have that. See, but people can't get that. They just can't get it. We're just as we are. Isn't, I'm, I'm thankful. Because God has used it. But before then, there was this, uh, England was imperialistic, and they would take over lands. They would take over lands. But I've lived in a couple of those lands. It's interesting. Their imperialism, countries that, that were settled by, uh, by England has into the very infrastructure of that land, they plant churches. They make church a part of the very core. It's interesting. Hospitals and education. Very interesting. Yeah. And something's shifting in England right now. Something's shifting in, the, in that lion. that It was called a lion in the Bible. Something, something's rousing that lion again, and it's starting to get back up again. What's going on in the nations? We're very involved in our own. 
But our nation is one of the nations God is working with. Are we okay with that? Because all of these things have to do with the grand design of the plan of God for the salvation of men. Praise God. This age that we're living in, and as we know things, as we understand things of nations and boundaries and everything, this age and this dispensation is coming to an end. Things aren't always going to be as they are. We're going into the next. And you know what? <laughs> it's a good one. The next age, which we got some time, to, we got some other th events going to have to happen before we get there. But the next age that we're wanting to get to is a millennial age. That's where the lion lays down with the lamb and there's no more war. And there's a reason why there's no more war. It's because the devil is bound for a thousand years. Come on, millennial age. But there's some other things that have to happen before we get there. Sometimes because we're where we are, it, you know, we're just in our environment and in our world. Sometimes we forget that we are a part of something that started thousands and thousands of years ago. And it doesn't end with us. It's going to go on and on and on. So when we pray, it helps us not to pray tiny. Hallelujah. Pray large. And one of the ways that helps us to pray instead of skinny vision, praying, praying what I see just on the TV or praying what I, what I see in my bills or see how I feel or see to the, few, to, my, to the end of my life, which if I live long will be 80 or 90 years old. Oh, my goodness. That's like, that is like a piece of sand on the seashore of time. So it helps us to keep perspective. Amen. So I'd like you to look at another place in the scripture. Oh, I think we I think we we could just keep on going along these lines, but keep uh, if you'll just go one other place, and that is to Daniel the ninth chapter, and then we're going to end up and pray. Hallelujah. Mm. I think I wanted to plunge into a study. There's just not, I think he'd rather us just pray. So we'll try to just get there. Daniel, the ninth chapter, it says, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the offspring of the Medes, who was made king of the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the books the number of years which, according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet, must pass before the desolation of Jerusalem should end. And it was 70 years. Now, there's all kinds of different prophets. 
you know, we, we were singing from one of the prophets tonight, uh, from I saw the, I see the Lord seated on the throne. Uh, that's from Isaiah. Isaiah was like the Shakespeare of prophets. His very, his, his language was really beautiful and he was a distinguished and probably a wealthy man and very, a very honored man until, till after Solomon died. And then Solomon's son, Manasseh, tradition says he hated, he hated Isaiah because of the warnings that Isaiah was giving prophetically. And he had him put in a hollow log and he sought him in half. That's an interesting way to die, isn't it? Jeremiah was taken also to, ba uh, he was given a choice to go to Babylon and he preferred not to go. But Ezekiel was also taken to Babylon. So we had these prophets living in this, in this foreign land. And uh, that, that prophecy from Isaiah, the sixth chapter, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. It's interesting to me. I've been in looking at prophecies, how that they give a time period of their prophecy that hooks with what is happening in a nation. Don't you think that's interesting? I find that's very interesting. These big prophecies didn't just stand alone. They were attached to what God was doing in nations. And so it was with Daniel. When he prophesied or when he was seeing things, he remembered who was king, what year they were king, when God would give him these visions or when God would give him these activities. The other kings that were kings, uh, because Dan Daniel didn't have a vision or anything, they're not even mentioned in the Bible. They're not even mentioned. They just came and went as though they never even existed. But because these guys were kings, when God had special interaction, they get mentioned. That shows you how important the plans of God are. We think kings are something. Presidents are something. Depends on what God's doing right then. They come and go. The kingdom of God remains forever. Does this give some perspective to you? Who was, who was president when there was a move of God? Who was king when a great thing happened on the earth that God was doing? Yeah. So he said that he understood by the books uh, that the year, uh, the time it was that the, that the, um, the Jews were able to go back home. And he'd lived that whole time right there, right there. He watched, he, he was with the first people that were carted off into exile. There were three groups that were taken into Babylon and he was with the first. He saw them all come and he lived there his whole life. But he, before he died, he was like a, he was like a living timepiece. Close to the end of his life, he got to see them go back home. But the reason he did is he remembered this prophecy, this prophecy that I imagine one of his, I don't know if he knew Jeremiah, but he was, a, he was a fellow in ministry. He was a fellow prophet. But he remembered one of the prophecies that Jeremiah had given about it being 70 years.
And he said, it's time. He took that prophecy, and that prophecy became like what we were talking about in one of the sessions, a pick. And he started working with that prophecy. He said, it's got to come to pass. It's got to come to pass. Well, we've got some, we've got some of those prophecies for, uh, that we can pray. How about the one in Joel, the second chapter? In the last days, saith God. I will pour out my spirit on sons and daughters, on all flesh, all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will see dreams. Your young men will see visions. This is something that God said, and it's for our time. And somebody's got to pick up that prophecy and start using it to get into that treasure of a, of a mighty thing that God wants to do for this time. Amen. Also, Also, um, for what God wants to do in the nations. How he wants people to be born again in the nations. God wants us to take a hold of his word and use it. But the part that I had in my heart is this. I can't, I can't, uh, Maybe articulate everything about it, except for maybe when we get to pray and it comes out. There are, there are people that I believe are already in positions like Daniel that are in the world. We don't know them so much because, because we know of great preachers. We know who's on the television is a great preacher. But there are people that God has planted that never bow. They don't compromise. They're not great in the church as far as known in the church, but they have influence in the world. And they're exactly where they need to be. I believe that God has people in business, in high finance. God has people in government. God has people in other areas and aspects of the world. And they're like Daniel. There was a, it was a year ago, I was praying uh, with some people in another state, and uh, Reinhard Bonnke was coming to their town at the end of that week. And uh, so we just took some time extra to pray because we sensed that something was different. He, he was laying down his ministry, but it seemed that there was something um, specific and very important about this season of Reinhard Bonnke's life. So we just prayed. And, um, oh, I saw something when I was praying. My, the Lord opened my eyes to see something. And I saw that, for instance, Reinhard Bonnke had kept his, he had kept the oil clean. That oil that God had anointed him with to do the ministry that he had, he had kept flies out of it. I saw that he had kept the oil pure. He didn't let anything putrefy in the oil and spoil it. He'd kept it clean. And now he's in his 70s, you know. And uh, he's wanting to, to now, he's wanting to download his, uh, this thing that God has given him. He knows he's to get it into other people. I saw him like a vessel about to pour out the oil. And he was looking for vessels to pour the oil into. 
And this, uh, since then, he has, and he's been going around to different places and, and, and pouring into. Well, we were praying, and I saw that this oil was going to pour into some vessels that were called to be evangelists. And that they would redefine what we have considered evangelists to look like. These words came up in my heart. There would be evangelists that would emerge and do what God has ordained them to do. That didn't have slick hair and nice suits. That's, those are the words that came to me. Slick hair and nice suits. But they would be filled with the oil of God and God would light them on fire and they would go into dark places. Somebody prayed about dark places. They would be sent into dark places and people would see a great light in dark places. Amen. And there would be signs and wonders that would accompany these flaming evangelists. But it would redefine... Uh, uh, I saw that our defining of ministry gifts, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, our defining of them had come in excess and had actually confined them. Brother Hagen said in the last days, the ministry gifts would operate in their full orb. And that word orb is an interesting word because it's, it is circular it's like spherical it's it, that means there's not just one aspect or the other aspect it's not this or this it's many things <laughs> and then he said all the ministry gifts all the ministry gifts would operate in their full orb well what does that look like why don't we go and put our head on that altar <laughs> And let God help us think like he, there is going to be things that astonish the smartest people in the body of Christ that thought we had it all figured out. Because God's pulling out his big guns in these last days. Hallelujah. The devil thinks, okay, this is an apostle, so that's how we'll block him off. That's an, that's a, 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 that is a prophet. That's what we'll do to barricade him in. And that's a pastor. We know how to cut him off and, and, and absolutely wear him out. And then that's an evangelist. That, and we're, we're going to burn him out. And then and a teacher, we're going to just get him weird. And uh, it, we're going to do that about him. But I'm telling you, this full, full orb thing, there's no way to stop it. Praise the name of the Lord. But I see them operating not only uh, within, see, <laughs> within what we call the church. We are the church. We are the church. This is a facility that accommodates and facilitates training of the church. But where we manifest as light is in a dark place. Hallelujah. So it just is, it's going to, it's just going to invade the nations, invade the nations again. Praise God. I, I'm just into this. Hallelujah. 
So I don't know how, but let's just pray really large. Let's just pray large. Let's, let's not pray in our rabbit track tonight. Can we just go up higher and bigger and, and greater? And let's just see what God could do. Amen. God has great things that he wants to do in the nations. And, uh, oh, thank you, Lord. Let's just do this. Let's just do this. Uh, David, I need you to help. Yeah, I do. Let, let me just wrap a little story that'll paint a picture of what she is conveying to us and not by our defining actually confine man, their gifts, their talents, their posts, their position, their place of their grace. And, uh, oh, it was just, my heart is just like exploding right now because some of these arenas that are getting ready to explode in the area of music and entertainment and things dealing with sight and sound now you can pray where you want to pray and wherever you're most inclined and called but I <laughs> when she hit that hot button there I just almost tore the front row completely apart About six months ago, all of you are familiar with the name of Phil Driscoll. And you know, at one time, uh, and he still would be if, and I can say this because he's my dear friend. I played on a lot of his albums. I was just with him last week in Texarkana, and I'm with him frequently. One time he was the best trumpet player in the world, so said Doc Severinsen on Johnny Carson. He might be a little out of practice, but it'll all come back. Just a few months ago, through the most supernatural, inexplainable, you cannot explain it, chain of events, the largest recording audio-video facility in Los Angeles, California. Now, if you know anything about music, just wrap your head around this. It was first owned by Henry Mancini in the 60s. Then it became... Uh, Quincy Jones, who to this day has produced the albums that sold more record. Michael Jackson, uh, Thriller, the greatest albums of all. Then it was owned by a few other people. Uh, Elton John worked there. Uh, then Barbara Streisand owned it. And then, then all of these people. And through, uh, you cannot, I, I cannot take the time to tell you. Supernaturally, it has fallen lock, stock, and barrel debt-free into his ownership. Now, there was, he moves in the affairs of men. And we limit God so much, you just want to say, Lord, forgive me for my stupid peanut brain limiting you to think you have to operate like we do on this platform. God help us, and he is. Especially in this, Patsy, I, 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 I hope this is okay. When you said, in, uh, so what I would say, in the arena of sight and sound, something is exploding right now to the point. And by the way, our precious Pentecostal churches that began when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place and suddenly there came from heaven. 
It wasn't tongues first and it wasn't fire first. There came a sound from heaven. So you just think about that, what we need to pray about, about the sounds that are proclaimed throughout the earth. Because the one writer said it like this. Let me write the songs of the nation and I'll tell you where that nation will end up. Okay, so I'm just wrapping a story to give you a little fire and fuel for your prayer. That God is already moving in this arena. And so just a few weeks ago, now the biggest names you can name previous, the name of the studio was Evergreen and now he's changed it to Legends. Church would not give two cents and, and probably call them demon possessed and how dare them, you know, how you, you say their name in a microphone in a church and, and you expect fire to fall and me to be judged. That's that's asinine. Can we be blunt? I'm trying to tell you what's happening right now. So this has fallen supernaturally in his hands and people like that are calling him and asking, can we come to your place? A few days ago, Leon Russell, who wrote, was one of the greatest songwriters in, the, in a world sense. In this, a pastor probably knows all his songs. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love your pastor. Called and said, Elton wants you to come to the house. We're just going to have a songwriting session. And he wants your opinion on things he's recording right now. Things like that. Yeah. So I'm just saying this thing of exerting influence and key people in places that you would never, you couldn't articulate it, you couldn't orchestrate it, you couldn't make it happen for all the tea in China or all the money in Bill Gates' bank account. And it's already happening. And I've witnessed it with my eyes over the last few weeks. God is doing something in that arena that I'm familiar with, but it's in all the arenas. It's so I hope I didn't wreck the prayer meeting, but I was about to just. It's true. Neve. Sound electronics just called Phil a few months ago and said, we want to pay for putting our latest and greatest equipment in there. Just the soundboard is from me to where Joe Morris is sitting. It takes three people to operate. It looks like you could launch the shuttle from it. Retail value is probably somewhere between five and seven million dollars. And they said, we heard about what you're doing. We'll put it in for free. That's what's happening right now. CBS. In old school days, they used to orchestrate with the movie right there. You know, this, I, I guess I'm just trying to articulate this kind of stuff is if this is happening in the music field, then it's happening in the medical field. If it's happening in the music field, and that's the field I, I, I'm mostly familiar with and am witnessing it. All, just right now on a day-to-day -day basis. If it's happening there, it's happening in the financial arena. If it's happening there, it's happening in the political arena. It's happening in all the different 
kingdoms of this world are being... Mm. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> You're not done. You'll, you'll help us pray. Help us pray in just a minute. Uh, this little gal, uh, she's Indian. She just worked in our uh, administration office for the school, just doing picky-picky things. She's a, she's a, a rocket scientist. And uh, she just felt to just almost like donate her time to just help Rama to get, get up and going. And she was doing you know, like just just putting papers together and stuff. She told me the other day with tears, she said, I, I, I just feel like I'm supposed to get back into my field. And, I, and uh, she said, but I, I don't want to get out of ministry. I said, no, you're getting in the ministry, getting in the ministry. So she's, she's, uh, she's building helicopters now. And, um, yeah, from, from pushing paper to, you know, it's <laughs> just kind of funny, but yeah, she's in a place of influence there. Um, also, also you mentioned the political, the political area. We're in contact with a lady and just, uh, recently got another update from her. She's 80 years old and Aussie who is in North Korea, uh, there by the government employed by North Korea as a diplomat of, they've made her a diplomat of North Korea so that she can go in and out. And, uh, she was a missionary for, for years, but, uh, she's there. Uh, they needed her help. They needed her expect uh, expertise. And, um, she's winning thousands to the Lord. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. In North Korea, uh, in North Korea. Hallelujah. Uh, but she's there not as a missionary. She's there uh, working for the North Korean government. She was the one that did all the um, negotiating for that young American. And I think it was a Canadian that got caught on the border. And the president is before he died. He, you know, he said, I'll talk to somebody. I'll talk to Sean Penn. He said, I'll talk to Sean Penn. Why Sean Penn? He liked his movies. And so she got, she got a hold of Sean Penn and he said, I won't go. I will not go there. And she he said, well, then I'll talk to Barack Obama and Barack Obama, you know, said, no, we've got embargoes against that country. I will not go there. I will not talk to that man. And so he said, well, I'll talk to Bill Clinton. So she got a hold of Bill Clinton and, um, and he said, I'll come. So he went and never even, you know, he couldn't tell anybody he was even going until he was already there, but he was, she was able to get them out. Um, but anyway, it, there's many, many, many things that many things that even there that I cannot tell, but she's being used by the North Korean government and has a team of 17 people that are filled with the Holy Spirit. That are, and she's been there now for some years. They can only stay in two years at a time. And then they have to go out and then they're replaced with others. She's, she's worked as a missionary around the world a lot. And so, uh, you know, she knows different people from different countries and she gets doctors, she gets dentists, she gets uh, other, other professionals that are able to help them because their country was just dying, you know? And so these people are going in and every day on their visa, they've been stamped with right to preach the gospel. <laughs> I'm just saying not everything happens here. The signs and the wonders that we're praying for, not all of them happen in this. 
One of the greatest arenas for signs and wonders is the world. It was for Daniel and it is for us. Guys, let's pray big. Let's pray big. Hallelujah. Let's stand up on our feet. Do you have anything else? Are you sure? Hallelujah. If you have, I tell you, if you have an area, you're conscious of an area outside of the church, they're more in the nations. I'm not just talking about evangelizing a nation. I'm talking about a field. You know, like Daniel was called into the nations, but he was in the field of, of government. Uh, if you have one of those fields in your heart and, and you feel called, you feel called, and you, but you don't even understand it, it but you feel called even just to pray. You're, you're like drawn to something to pray about. I want you just to come up here and acknowledge it. Acknowledge that call. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Sight, sound, business, education, technology, science. Research, medicine. Within the first months that I was in um, Australia, I was going to go do a meeting. We were going down to the Gold Coast. I was in the back seat. I felt in my heart to pray Ephesians, the first chapter, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we might know. What is the hope of our calling? A spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I had an amazing experience in the back seat. I saw, I saw like a, that, that spirit of wisdom and revelation. It had the effect of a telescope. Uh, what it has, there is all this out there that exists, but we don't even see it unless you have lens to see it. And I saw that by there is uh, there has been revelation that's come, like a, a, a time of enlightenment. And when it came, it, it didn't just come in one field. It didn't just come in the church. It came to all the fields, all the fields. There was just revelation that just came. And I saw God put like a lens, like a, a Hubble lens. And things that were absolutely undetectable, to the natural sight or to the natural mind became detectable. Breakthroughs in science, breakthroughs in research, breakthroughs. Hallelujah. But it wasn't just in one area. When wisdom and revelation comes, it happens in every field. Praise God. Music. There are new sounds. <laughs> There just are. 
You all need to, to acknowledge before God that God is talking to you and you are hearing. Hallelujah. From this, I just say this in the name of Jesus, from this night on, there'll be an acceleration of your consciousness of his leading in your life. He has been leading. Part of it has been unconscious. But from this night, there's going to be a conscious acknowledgement of his leading in your life. Hallelujah. Now let's just pray in the Holy Ghost. Let's lift this up. No, 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 pray in your mic. Ah, Tigito Bogo Robo Goleve Jiria Brata. Tiogo Praga Reme Gelemendo. Etramange. Open. Open. Open the door. Open. It's a wide door. A wide door. And effectual. Yela Garaburgidia Bragarabat Zobraneje. A wide door. Oh, apostles, apostles going, going. Break through, breaking through, breaking through. Help me pray about breakthrough and breaking barriers. It comes all the way around. Yes, a breaking of a barrier. Take it, Bob. The barriers in our minds that have kept us out of those things. In the name of Jesus, the limitation in the realm Oh, we come against that in the name of Jesus. We will not be limited. We will not think small. We will not be in a box. It'll come out of the happening different, different, different than you thought. Out of the act. 
barrier is broken. That obstacle is removed. That hindrance is coming down. And people are sent ones. We pray about the sent ones. They are sent on assignment into those careers, into those realms, into those fields. You're not keeping Christians out of that field. You're not keeping Christians out of that arena. Oh, fiery ones. The fiery ones. Ha, ha, ha. Woo. Ministers of the gospel. Anointed ambassadors. Christians on assignment. Woo. In the name of Jesus. Oh, da, 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 in the name of Jesus. Anointed, anointed, anointed and appointed. In Jesus' name, anointed, anointed and appointed to stand in that place. Hallelujah. Oh, oh, Ministers of light called, <laughs> sent forth, empowered and equipped. Lights, lights, lights. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Oh, oh,
Jesus name oh ma woo makedinda daroba kasugurin dalada tekaranda lalata ha ha Jesus sakateni di bakare makotola woo emanana dama Oh my Lord Bakoresaba Oh Lord send the light send the light send the light send the light Bakareba sobakata Oh makasikarita send the light send the light Bakorabakaso Oh madadega let the light shine let the light shine <laughs> Okay da to da kata da 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 in the name Woo! let's minister to the Lord minister to the Lord Oh bless the Lord bless the Lord Oh Hallelujah.
speaking. Yeah, open up that door again. Yeah, Yeah, Ranando.